Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Evertonians, and welcome to the second installment of the Toffeewood podcast. One, I think, would have a markedly different tone had we recorded it on Sunday or Monday as opposed to Wednesday in the aftermath of what was a pretty demoralizing result at St. James's Park. I'm Lyndon Lloyd, here again with Paul Trail and Al Bretland. And that bumper to start the show was Bring It Up by Irish band The Baines, named, of course, after the coolest left back of the Premier League era. You can check out their first two singles on Spotify and find them on Twitter at The Baines 8. Anyway, today we'll get into the highs and lows of the past week and then try and pick through the bones of the Newcastle match and try and chart a way forward for the Toffees in what is now unquestionably a fight for survival in the Premier League. Paul, Al, how are you feeling 24 hours on or so from that rather harsh reality check? Uh, I think it's a really difficult question, Lyndon. I think sometimes I'm absolutely yeah. petrified when I look at the league table, and then other times I think, no, we've got enough. And I think that I think a lot of Evertonians are probably in the same boat that we're in such a perilous position, but you know we we should have enough quality in terms of compared to the other teams down there. What it is, and I think I think the Brentford game, the Newcastle game, <laughs> sort of sum that up the the varying degrees of the of the spectrum of the highs and the lows of following Everton at the moment. Um, so it, it, the season is is at a weird stage, really, because Frank Lampard's very new, so you can take a lot of positivity from that, that we've got a new manager who's fresh to the situation. But then you, you look at it as well, that it's 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 much of the same players who've uh, failed to have any consistency for, for a number of years now. Um, so it, is, it just feels like a really unpredictable time. You're a braver man than me, Al, looking at the league table. I haven't looked at the league table for, I don't even know how many months, so I'm trying to avoid looking at it anyway. I just find it so frustrating, the game last night. It's just 
like you say, lack of consistency. There's certain players, we'll probably go into a bit later on, certain players who just really frustrated me, after, especially following the, um, the Brentford game. It was so, so positive, wasn't it? Uh, um, Goodison on, on Saturday. Um, really, like, probably best. Was that the best atmosphere for a number of years, right? I can't remember the last time the atmosphere was that good at Goodison Park or that positive. Yeah, yeah I mean, we going back as far as Martinez for, for when it was that. <laughs> was there any time it was that positive? I, I don't. I can't really think it was, of anything. It was the single Duncan game against Chelsea, wasn't there, when he was the caretaker manager? But before that, you're right. I think. I think it is that far back when when there's that positivity, and it, it just. I, I feel like the Brentford game. It just felt like a, a professional performance. We we kept the ball. We kept attacking. And it just felt like a typical Goodison display. You go to the game and you enjoy yourself, which is, you know, that's what it's meant to be because it's a hobby. Um, yeah. So it was good to, to have a reminder of that in what's been, a, you know, such a torrid season. Totally. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It was like um, great fun in the pub before the game. Great to see everyone. I just had a big smile on their face. It was, uh, yeah, and then um, to particularly probably once we went 3-1 up for the remainder of the game, it was just a real... Real good buzz, wasn't it, at the at the stadium? It was just there, uh, just fantastic, and crashing down to earth quite quickly in true Everton fashion, I guess, against Newcastle on Wednesday. Hmm. Yeah, I it, it did have a, a a very sort of Martinez feel to it for me as well. Um, I mean, I probably wasn't alone in feeling um, that after the final whistle, <clears throat> it actually felt a bit like after twenty eighteen when Marco Silva was sacked. Um, and you, you thought for a, for a while, you wondered why we were so panicked in the first place, given the quality that we have in the squad. Um, <clears throat> I have to say after last night, my thinking has, has changed and obviously we'll get into that once we talk about Newcastle, but, um, I'm most worried about the collective psychology at the moment more than anything else. Um, but I mean, on Saturday, you know, cause we, on Saturday we were looking at, at a, at a situation where a team with a newfound belief from front to back was suddenly looking much, much better. Um, you know, a team that had obviously been instructed to control the game, as as Al said, more or less from start to finish. And that's really how an Everton team should play at home and, and hasn't really, I mean, didn't really obviously under Ancelotti with, with no fans there and it didn't under Benitez, even with fans there. And that really should be the bare minimum, isn't it? The expectation that, that Everton will bring up, will begin on the front foot at home and, and be dominant um, for as large a proportion of the 90 minutes as possible. Um, and, I, and I think that the confidence that they grew in the players was evidenced by their response to Brentford, um, you know, pulling a goal back to make it 2-1. And, and, and we just sort of went on to 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 go on and, and, and boss the game. Uh, and I think, you know... The, the shock of last night is obviously dictating the mood now, but it's easy to forget that, that the Brentford game was only four days ago. Um, and that's important because there were, were a lot of positives to come out of that performance um, over and above the simple feel-good factor around Lampard. Um, so it's, it's it, as Al said, it's, it's a difficult, we find ourselves in a difficult, difficult kind of situation heading into the Leeds game because of those two very different performances and very different outcomes. Yeah, I feel like against Brentford, I think we I feel like we played with a real freedom and a real energy. It, it, it as though like a huge weight had been lifted off the entire football club. There was a weight lifted in the stands, and there was definitely a weight lifted uh, in the team as well and from the sidelines. But I think it it was it was really positive. The fans were able to get behind the team, and I think the fans and the players really fed off each other. And I think it was 
a proper Goodison Park atmosphere that the the players showed that they were ready for the for the for the battle in the in the Brentford game and the the fans you know from minute one got behind them and that 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 maintained. Um, I think Frank Lampard has been an absolute breath of fresh air. He's so uh, measured. He's so assured in what he says. Um, and I think that's going to be really key because I think, as you mentioned, Lyndon, the psychology of the team, I think Frank Lampard probably has the perfect outlook. Um, he's very personable. I think he he must be brilliant to play for as well um, because I think he's he's a hard worker, but he, but he works with a smile as well. Um, so I think that, you know, we're not we're not going to win every game from here on in. And, you know, we're most likely not going to lose every game from here on in. So I think it's good that the man in charge, he seems to have a lot of perspective. He seems to have a cool head. Um, but there's a serious side to him as well. So I think Frank Lampard's got the got the personality to to get Everton up the table, but to but to find that consistency as well. I, I do think he's I think it's difficult the, the the state of the squad at the moment with the injuries and the you know the lack of recruitment. So it is going to be a, it's an uncertain time. It really is an uncertain time. But I think Frank Lampard there. It, I think it was his personality and the way he approached taking the Everton job, which uh, really gave us a, a good a good setting for that Brentford victory. Um, and so that's why I'm not as worried as I ordinarily would be. I think the I think. It, if we get getting out of this mess, I think it's the it's the home form which is going to be important. Um, it's the, the crowd. I think we're having Lampard, Lampard there. The crowd should um, probably respond to that a lot better. If it, obviously if it was stopping the there, it just it just become horrendous, wouldn't it? But having Lampard in the dugout, I think it just gives that more patience and belief maybe from the crowd. Um, and yeah, I think you I think you're right. I, I like the way you sort of summarise that, Al. Um, Lampard, I think you, you, you nailed it really with the all his characteristics there. Um, he's the right man to have there, I think, and yeah, we just got to. I think it'd be the home form which uh, which dictates it. So let's hope that obviously hope that starts on um, on Saturday. But it's injuries just seem never ending, don't they? That's that's the concern for me, as you said. Um, yeah, I mean, is it's just frustrating the life out. I mean, yeah, I mean, with his injuries, it's just yeah, he's the best defender, but he's you know, never available. It's really, it, it, you know, and, and then with Godfrey not there as well, it's just, um, you know, a few holes all over the back, really. And that, that's that's always going to be a problem, isn't it? When Particularly when we're, when we're coming up against the um, the better side. So I think the, the Goodison form is going to be key, I think, for the next uh, next few months. It's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. with, with Mina, the thing that I can't get over with Mina is having watched the um, the Copa America last summer and the way that they absolutely just fly into each other. Um, it is such a physical um, physical game over there. And Mina just kind of comes through all of it and played, I think, played practically every minute for Colombia and then comes back and then within two games he's injured again and I, I go is it what's going on on the flight over is it you know is it something in the air on Merseyside I mean what is going on uh, that's uh that's that's one of the things that I find find perplexing um and the other concern of course is the fact we don't really have a head of a head of medicine right now do we I and mean, what's who's mm-hmm. who's managing the um the, the medical side of it at the club at the moment I mean that's got to be a concern as well and that's the thing with the injuries as well. You can say that it's it's bad luck. You know, we got another two injuries against Newcastle. But for me, the problems of the last six years, everything, everything, everything 
goes back to recruitment. You know, yeah. you can have those two centre-back injuries, but Mason Holgate's been at the club seven years, and for six and a half years, we've probably known that he's not good enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to play yeah. regularly for Everton, and this isn't a club that is trying to fight relegation. This is meant to be a club that's fighting for silverware, fighting for the top of the, you know, top towards the top spots in the in the league. So for me, you know, the, the, the gaps are there because of the injuries, but the recruitment has been so poor. Whoever let Nkunku go out in the summer, I just can't fathom that. And again, it meant that against uh, against Newcastle, Mikalenko was unavailable. And we're playing a, a, a right-sided midfielder who's left-footed at left-back. And so it, for me, it just means that we haven't got a hope of success when, when, when the club leave themselves short like this. Because, you know, you can say that, as I said, that the two injuries are bad luck, but injuries happen in football. And the club just haven't set themselves up. And it's just a shame that Frank Lampard, two games in, is already suffering for that. He's having to spin plates because of all the stuff that's gone on before, years back. And it is that that's the frustration the frustration for me. And I think really with Yerry Mina, you can rely on him as a footballer, but his availability now, you can't rely on him. And, you know, nobody's at fault for that. Some players just pick up more injuries than others, you know. Mm-hmm. We're all made differently, aren't we? But now I think Everton needs to look at it and think, Yerry Mina, yeah, on his day, our best centre-back. But can we get through a Premier League season with him? Probably not. So that's where the recruitment over the next two, three windows, we've really got to build a squad to 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 negate that. You know, injuries happen. You've got to have a squad. Um, so I think, it's yeah, like I say, it's just... It's just not fair on a lot of players and, and the manager as well that the recruitment really hurts them. You know, Ben Godfrey's had a, a really, really difficult start to the season. He's had COVID, uh, a lack of form, but as well, you know, he's got 40,000 people relying on him to put a good performance in and he's out of position more often than not. Um, so I think, you know, we can we can look at so many factors, but for me, it always goes back to recruitment for me rather than the injuries themselves. Speaking of recruitment, so how have we ended up the trans? Have we signed two fullbacks to transfer window and ended up in a with in a worse position at fullback on both sides than we were before the start of this transfer window? Obviously, Luca Dean. Nobody, I don't think anybody can really fathom fathom that. And then I don't know. Did I, was he out with COVID, uh, Mikalenko, uh, last night? Yeah, or not, is, yeah, it's a bit unconfirmed, isn't it? And obviously, Duncan Ferguson clearly didn't 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 rate him. He didn't have him in the squad and. You get the feeling, I do anyway. Get the feeling that maybe Everton aren't too sure about him, or at least the the, the coaches, managers aren't. The other one, like but the other one hasn't featured whatsoever. Um, and I looked at Newcastle yesterday, and uh, when they signed Trippier for I think it was a twelve million pound or something like that, I thought oh, that's a bit much for 31, 32 year old. You know, I mean, why why are you wasting the money there? But uh, well, won on the game yesterday, didn't he? Like, how many good balls did he put into the box? He's, they, they got they, they spent that money on a fullback who's ready to play now. We spent the same money on a fullback, and we don't even know when he's available to play. And what is clearly a problem position, seeing seeing Saint Maxim running up against Coleman all night last night, it was he felt sorry for Seamus Day. He was trying his best, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Patterson would have been able to do any better, but presumably he can't because they, they, they don't trust him to play. But it makes you think, couldn't he have spent that money a little bit better on a right back who was ready to play? Yeah, you know I mean, sure, I'm sure there was. Uh, I'm no scouts, but I'm sure there was some out there they could have uh, could have spent better money on them because they need players to play now, not not you know not players who can play next season, say or whatnot. So that was um, 
bit perplexing that, and then just seeing yeah, seeing him score the goal, and did he set up another one? And he causes problems all day with the set pieces, didn't he? All, all night, sorry. Yeah, so just baffling, really. You, you're right, Al. Um, recruitment's been been the real crux, hasn't it? It's been it's been terrible, really. When you look at it, you know, looking back on it, if you look back at the you know, just the, the last the last few years, how we've allowed ourselves to get into a situation where, as you say, we have centre-backs who are now having to be first choice, who most of us have had suspicions for, for quite a long time are just not good enough. Um, and then, as you say, you've allowed the the best fullback that we have at the club and our leading assist provider for the last couple of years to leave. Um and to bring in two players who may well end up, and I, I mean, I think that um, Mikalenko actually looked okay against Bradford. I, I saw lots of lots of things where you could see him developing into quite a decent player. But he is absolutely new to the country, to the league, um, um, and in terms of of having the experience of of the Premier League, you need someone who who's been there and done it, like Kieran Kieran Trippier, as you say. Um, and it's you know in the modern game, it's one of the most important positions on the field. And we've basically handicapped ourselves on both sides of the pitch in those two fullback positions. Um, yeah, as you say, it's hard to blame. Hard to blame Seamus Coleman last night because you just got the sense that as soon as Saint Maximin had the ball, there was no one who was going to be able to stop him. And the guys, I've watched him on, on some occasions, and things just don't come up for, off for him. But when they do, I mean, he's just he's 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 amazing. And unfortunately, we just couldn't live with him last night. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's a problem position, but, um, going back to, um, Brentford and the, the lineup that, uh, Lampard went with and obviously stuck with, uh, Newcastle, what did you, what did you guys feel about the way he approached that? Yeah, well, I think, I think he's, uh, he's quite limited, isn't he at the moment? Like, as we said, the, the injury list really is piling up and he, he's limited, but I think, with with the Everton team as well, because we do have weaknesses, you do have to sort of set up and await and negate them. Um, I think a, a lot of people that I've spoke to have said that we really do need three men in midfield, um, mm-hmm. based on the qualities of our midfielders. That the, the best way to, you know, the, the way to get the best out of them is to have three in there. Um, but you know, he's gone with with three centre backs again to negate the weakness that's there that we can all see. So um, yeah, I think he. he Made the right moves. It's you know we, we probably do want to see Nathan Patterson being given a go maybe to provide some some energy into the team. But um, I think against Brentford, I think he you know it was proven with the result that he went right with the with the right call. I feel that um, when Mina came on against Brentford, I probably would have at the time liked to see Branthwaite come on just because of how the how the team was set up initially. Putting Holgate into left centre back, it, it looked very ba- uh, unbalanced quite quickly. But mm-hmm. um, you know what do I know? Yeri Mina popped up <laughs> with a header soon after coming on. Um, so yeah, I think he, I think he got it right. But I think it's 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 difficult to tell with the team at the moment just because of those absences. Yeah, I, I thought the same. I actually about um, I was thinking put put Blanfweight on probably. I was, I was thinking more as well. Keep keep me in a keep me in a fresh for Newcastle. And obviously, yeah, he did the job against Brentford. Then obviously, lived off against the against Newcastle. He seems big on making sure players play in their positions. I mean, obviously, Townsend was a bit of a, an anomaly anomaly last night because of 
because we were stretching that in that area. But um, for example, in terms of sticking another midfielder in there, he's, I don't think he's just going to go. Okay, we're going to put Holgate in midfield or Godfrey in midfield or something like that. You know, he's not going to move players around from what they're from their actual actual positions. So I don't think you could um, criticize him for the Brentford one. <clears throat> pardon me. Um, last night, yeah, I guess we don't know much about how ready uh, Van der Beek is and, and Deli Ali, I suppose. Deli Ali struggled last night, didn't he, really? Um, Van der Beek looked very good. Um, I'm, I'm certain he'll swap out Andre Gomez and Van der Beek next uh, next game. For Andre Gomez, was awful last night. It was really, really disappointing to me. Like, it's me, Andre Gomez, if, if the game isn't at his pace, he can't he can't pick it up. He can't like speed up his game. It kind of stays you know, the same way. And, I was frustrated with the goal we conceded uh, immediately after scoring, obviously last night, because we, we they gave us the ball back straight from kickoff, didn't they? And then we just gave it to Gomez. Gomez lost it quickly, and it was just so frustrating to concede so quickly like that. But and then uh, obviously um, Lampard was really hamstrung by the injuries, wasn't he? Then and then Gomez was just just a walking red card, wasn't he? And he had to come off, so he couldn't he couldn't tactically affect the game at all last night, Lampard, which was really. Must have frustrated him, um, but yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how I've shifted this on to Gomez all of a sudden, but he really sort of frustrated me last night more than anybody else, I think. Well, I think he was he was one of the key issues, wasn't he? I mean, he's in a very important part of the field, um, and you could you could see the way how just how influential he was against Brentford that we needed the same kind of um, influence and the same kind of performance from him um, at Newcastle, and it was almost completely the opposite. And very much like the, uh, you know, the <clears throat> as you say, the frustrating Andre Gomez that we've come to um, come to expect, unfortunately, um, partially partly before his injury, but but very much since since his injury. Um, and I think you're you're actually sp- absolutely spot on when you say that he doesn't he doesn't have um, another gear to shift into when the pace of the game is that much faster. Um, I mean, last night was completely different to Brentford because Brentford allowed us to play through them. Um, there was plenty of space for us to be able to, you know, pick passes and play to the Lions. And it was, it was absolutely different against, um, against Newcastle. I mean, they were relentless in their pressing. Um, they were really energized by the crowd. The crowd was, was, was pushing them on. Um, and the, the more the game went on, the fewer options we seem to have going forward. Um, and, yeah, it just felt that we were just just suffocated. Um, obviously, there's debate over how much was was down to Newcastle and how much of it was down to our players just more or less giving up at the end and the forwards just not having the movement or making the required runs. But I mean, you only had to look at at Donny Van Der Beek, who I was really impressed with when he came on. I thought he was a level above anything else in blue last night. But I mean, at one point, he's throwing up his arms. To, to his teammates saying, give me something, give me something to, to pass to here. Um, and I think that was one of the, the biggest issues was that we just didn't have, didn't have the movement at the end. Um, and as you say, I mean, Gomez gets to a point, he gets his, his you know, standard yellow card for pulling a, a player back because you know, someone's gone past him. Um, and then he's, he's on a tightrope. And again, as you say, very few options to, to change the game when you've only got one more one more substitute. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we've given, given how limited our options are in central midfield, how he fits Gomez and Van der Beek and, um, 
and Deli Alley into that into that system um, and creating one that's actually going to work for us. I think I think the problem with Andre Gomez as well is is that and he really does sum up the squad is that one he doesn't have a base level. He doesn't have a, a consistency to his game where, you know, he'll always give you a 7 out of 10. What I've found is he'll give you, like, maybe an 8 almost yeah. and then two fours or two five out of 10. And <laughs> I think that happens all over the pitch. And another thing that is, is, is a big part of the squad is he doesn't use his head sometimes. Whether he's panicked, whether he's rushed, whether he's nervous, whether he's just out of ideas. Um, there were a few balls yesterday where they were just aimless. They were just absolutely aimless. And it's it's the same with Michael Keane as well. There was he, he had time on the ball, and he just played it into into the centre circle, and it just straight to a black and white shirt. And uh, I just feel like a, a lot of players in our squad they're just they're just not thinking about what they're doing. That they're, they're very they're very rushed. They're very nervous almost. Um, and I, th- I think that's a real problem. If, you know, I don't think we've got enough players that we we can rely on to give a proper solid display week in, week out. And, you know, at Premier League football, you're not going to get by with only five or six of your players on it week to week. Um, so I think Gomez is, you know, it, it's an issue. It is a real issue that there's just no consistency within the team whatsoever, whether that be in personnel, selection, form. Every week is a, di- is a different scenario. And it is. It, it's, it's very damaging, I think. Maybe um, maybe Van der Beek can provide that a little bit because uh, you're right, Lyndon. Um, he, he was very, very good, wasn't he, last night? It, it was a, a, a glimpse of what to expect, I think. So uh, let's hope he can, yeah, he can uh, hit the ground running. And so I'm, I'm sure he'll start on Saturday. I'd be amazed if he doesn't start on Saturday. I think he has to, doesn't he? Um, whether he tries to, put, tries to put him and Gomez in, in the team together, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that would be a particularly good idea, but if you're limited of options and you have to put three in midfield, then you might have to. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I, I think in, uh, last week in the podcast I was saying, oh, well, this is a good opportunity for for Gomez. So you know, will, will he take it? No, I doubt it. And he did last week. He was he was really really good. And mm-hmm. yeah, just it's just that inconsistency, that frustration of um, oh yeah, brilliant, kick on now. You never see him kick on, do you? From a good performance as Elsa, it's never yeah, he plays well once. You think let's do it now and then next game it's well that was a real that was a real like real dip last night wasn't it from one to the other he was very lucky not to be sent off actually I think there's that he definitely mm-hmm. could have got a second yellow and then, then obviously had to get hooked off and where we where we were behind by that point as well weren't we I think so yeah it was just really uh really frustrating display it was yeah frustrating not to be able to use Calvert Lewin off the bench or anything like that just uh, obviously because of the um the injuries that we had in the game. I'd expect he'd be in the team on Saturday as well. Presumably he's fit enough. Um, Deli Ali also. I think it'll be a different Everton on Saturday in terms of how they look. Do you think they'll go four at the back on Saturday? I think. I think there's a pretty good chance they will if they can figure out if they can find a left back <laughs> there, there but, uh, with, with, with what they got available. Um, be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I think the um, the formation in terms of of just putting all three centre-backs in the same team <laughs> starting to feel very risky because there's, I mean, you go beyond, you know, beyond the three we have and there's, there's really no one left. I mean, I was, I was on the, uh, on the free agent list last night looking to see honestly who was available, <laughs> who could come in or who's out of contract. And apart from Laurent Koscielny, who I think has just been binned by Bordeaux because they're trying to trim their wage bill. Um, and Winston Reed, who I think was a Bournemouth 
on loan. I think those are the only two who have got Premier League experience who, you know, if, if you were absolutely desperate. Um, right, okay. But yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, you, you've got to weigh up, you know, the risk of having all three on versus the the shortfall that you have in central midfield in terms of defensive midfielders because really we only have Alain. Um, you know, I'm just more and more convinced that Gomez needs to be pushed as far away from our back line as possible. Um, so from that perspective, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes against Leeds and whether um, Mikalenko, because I think he, he had an inconclusive COVID test. So um, I assume he'd have another one before Saturday, but if, if there was any doubt about it or if it was a positive one, then I'm sure there's a there's a few days where he's going to have to quarantine or whatever so it might be it might be close it might be tight yeah and if he has us to do that obviously he'll have had no training for a couple of days and then would he have to go straight into the game yeah we'll see how that goes um so let's hope he's available what would he do if he's not would the uh if, let, let's let's assume they play a four would they would, would van for to cover at left back just, just purely because he's left footed would he but townsend be asked to play would john joe kenny play there I, I, i'm baffled to <laughs> baffled to, to find out and uh, as I pointed out before why on earth is Ankuku not here um, the perfect opportunity to, to play our back or left I don't know how we start the season thinking oh we don't need a back or left back oh Ben Goff we can do it that's okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, um, yeah ridiculous really and um, yeah obviously we sold obviously we sold our, our good left back and yeah and I was just I'm not saying thank you uh, Mikalenko is a bad player necessarily um, just not so sure if he's ready is my um, is my worry but uh, yeah it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough isn't it at the back and just, I'm just curious to see what we do if it, if it is a four if it's a three and if it is a four who the full backs are going to be or who, at least who the left backs are going to be and well can, can Coleman can Coleman play three games three games in a week is it a risk are we risking him Risk an injury to him if we if we play him in the next game as well. Does that mean John Joe Kenny's got to come in? Yeah, I mean, we'll ever see scenario. You look at it along the back line, whichever formation, whichever whichever personnel. None of it seems ideal, does it? None of it seems like, uh, oh, that's the solution. That's the one. So, and let, let alone who the defensive midfielder is, um, or playing alongside Alan, who's going to be sort of sitting in there. So it's. Um, it's a dilemma, all right, isn't it? Um, where we maybe just have to <laughs> abandon the fence a little bit and go on the front foot a lot more um, with the attacking options we got. I don't know whether <laughs> that's a good idea against Leeds because that's kind of how they play, isn't it? A bit sort of a bit gung ho. Um, yeah, fascinating to see what they do there. I think another problem is as well is you look at the Al Ghazi loan. Um, was he needed? Probably not. And that, that's taken up another alone spot from the Premier yeah. League. You know, we could have we could have signed a left back, we could have signed a centre back just to just to beef that up because we have had injury problems at the back. Um so you look at it and you just you just think it's it's just <laughs> it's baffling to be in this situation. You know, the injuries have been so unfortunate, but you look at it and you just it is, it's a real worry because yeah, we've got good players and yeah, Goodison's great, but you know, we we can't just keep putting like bandages over these huge problems within the team. It, it, it is frightening to to think how how the defense could look in a in a few weeks for very very crucial games that are coming up. Isn't that left side that uh, he's, he's a left he's, he's a left winger, isn't he, Al Ghazi? Yeah, am, am I right? Um, yeah, think you can play a bit of so, yeah. yeah, Sorry, Al, what was that? 
So he can play on both, I think. But I think it's primarily the left, definitely. Yeah, just just would have struck me as an opportunity to play him there, unless he hasn't got quite like last night. I mean, um, unless he hasn't quite got that discipline to get back and and defend, which is, I suppose you're going to get from Townsend. But yeah, um, probably don't need him. Probably doesn't seem particularly wanted. It didn't it certainly wasn't wanted by Benitez, was he? Um, you can't really judge after one game, I suppose, when we couldn't really make any subs uh, or tactical subs yesterday. But yeah, I'd be interested to see if um, if Lampard. Yeah, once once him, probably. Yeah, would would he play him over like a Wobi, for example? Probably not. Yeah, I mean it's um, yeah, it's a, you're right. It's a play we don't probably don't need, and um, yeah, could have been used, could have been used a bit better. Couldn't we have got international? And wasn't it? It was possible to get an international loan, wasn't it? During it was, the yeah, we were, we were, I think um, Everton tried to get um, Diallo from PSG. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. I think that was. I think that was very late in the day, and he was away on. Um, international duty so that that looked a difficult one as well so i'm not sure whether there were other plans for a center back i'm not sure but it is it's just such a shame that godfrey and mina have both been injured so early into lampard's tenure and you just look at the back line it is it's it's very worrying because there's just a, a big uh lack of quality there really isn't there and players playing with a big lack of confidence as well i think at the back particularly without mina there I think uh, Michael Michael Keane's a lot better when Mean is alongside him. I think that's that's fair mm-hmm. to say. And we've already been through Holgate, and yeah, it's like it's not like a Bamford looks a relatively composed player for a young lad, but you're putting a lot of pressure on him, aren't you? Ask them to sort of come in there and do and do a big job. So it's um yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough there. Um, yeah, to see what we do. Sure, Frank's got a plan in place anyway. I have to I have to see what um what Frank what Frank does with that. Tough. Yeah, it's a shame that he just didn't have longer. You know, I think it, this whole this whole thing goes back to all the 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 leadership and lack of planning issues that we've been talking about as Evertonians for for months now. I mean, how you allow yourself to get to a situation where you know the manager's selling your best left back without much of a contingency. Um, you know, you're allowing. A clearly failing manager to to stumble on in the job weeks after after he probably should have been sacked, and then you leave the appointment of his replacement until literally deadline day. Um, it just doesn't it just doesn't allow you to to you know to to make the kind of decisions as a new manager that that you would want. It's just um, yeah, it's just mad. It's mad, really, and unfortunately. Uh, if 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 things if the worst comes to the worst, then that's where the blame will ultimately lie. Um, is just this lack of lack of leadership, lack, lack of forward thinking, lack of joined up thinking from the top, isn't it? Absolutely. It, it, I mean, I, I sound I feel like a broken record uh, because I've been saying this for <laughs> it feels like six, seven, eight years now. But I, I just can't understand that. You know when. It's like when Chelsea first came into their money. I think the first thing they did was to get two players for every position. Mm-hmm. And that, that was nearly 20 years ago when football was probably much more simplistic now in terms of tactics and formation. You know, you'd 20 years ago, a lot of teams still played 4-4-2 or maybe a 4-5-1 or a 4-3-3. But, you know, it, it's common sense. You need you need two players for each position because, you know, that that they've got expertise in a certain role. You know, you don't have right-backs just playing up front now and again. You don't have um, strikers playing centre-back. You know, that they're experts in the role. You need players mm-hmm. who can 
who can do that role properly because otherwise you're just making a real, uh, you know, you're making life very, very difficult for yourself when the Premier League is already really difficult. Um, so, for, yeah, it, to me, honestly, it just it baffles me every transfer window that you look at the squad and you just say, there's a gap there, <laughs> there's a gap there. And it, it, it's just one suspension, one injury, and it just harms the whole functionality of the entire setup, the entire team. And then it means that the managers are, are homestrung and they're having to, you know, play certain players next to another to negate the weakness. And it just, it's just, it will always go against you. So, you know, that, that's the thing as well. You know, injuries do happen. You, you could have four right backs and they could all get injured at the same time. But, mm-hmm. but the fact that Everton are leaving themselves so short when it's so obvious, that that's the real frustration for me because... You know, you hear, you hear the sound bites coming out of the football club that we don't want to be a museum, we want success. But, you know, success is really difficult to achieve even if you even if you do everything right. Um, so it is, it's, it's just really disappointing, really frustrating, really irritating that, you know, these are professionals that are in the football club and they're just getting the basics wrong summer and January every year. It's, it's just baffling to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think one of the um, the the big concerns on the negative side from on last night for me was a lack of leadership, and it's something that you know, obviously another thing that we've been talking about for as for as long as I can remember is is having leaders on the field. Uh, Seamus seems to have gone into his shell a bit in the last few weeks. I think it, I almost feel like he's he's feeling overwhelmed by it um and then you know you take mina out of the equation then there's just so little presence in that back line now um you know michael Keane is is he can he can go through spells where he's a very effective center half but he's not a leader um either in terms of just that just having a physical you know block back there um, but also in terms of you know being a vocal leader, um, and and it, it it goes through the team, even even to the to to the forward line because I always think that your best striker of the ball, which I think right now is Andros Townsend, should be on direct free kicks, and someone should be telling Richarlison that you know you haven't scored a free kick, um, and r- right now you know the, the the person with the best the best foot right now is Andros Townsend, and if you have as few um, opportunities to score as we did in that match. You want to try and maximize every one, which is what Newcastle did with, obviously with, um, with Kieran Trippier. Um, but in terms of positives, because I'm trying to find some from last night. I mean, the positive thing obviously with Van der Beek. Um, and I think that he showed, he showed a leadership and a composure on the ball that I think is going to be huge for us. Um, particularly at home, because he's he looks like the kind of player who can dictate things, um, and we haven't had one of those for for quite a while. Um, the other thing for me is Lampard and his team will have seen firsthand now what they're dealing with um, in terms of the shortcomings that the team has in, in in being able to pass their way out of trouble. I mean, obviously it worked against Brentford when they were allowed it, but when, when they're um, under the under the the press, and I'm sure this is what Benitez tried to identify fairly early, um, but his response was to just take away the ability to pass the ball at all. It seems, um, 
but Lampard will have seen, you know, that there that he needs to try and settle this team down um, to do the basics and, and just get rid when the when you know when the opportunity is there um, or when what sorry when the opportunity requires it. Um, and the other thing for me is, you know, he's only been here a week. Um, and it's hard to expect yeah. the players to have taken everything on board in such a short space of time. So I'm hoping that, you know, when he can get back to Finch Farm and he can he can work on their on their psychology as much as anything else. Um, and then the other thing is he won't be up against players like Sam Maximan every week. Um, you know, there there are obviously talented players in the Premier League, but uh, there are players that that sort of put the fear of God in in you, like the way he does you won't come up up against those every week so you know at least that's that's something to be to be positive about um and then the final thing is that you know those three goals you know it's hard to criticize alan i suppose because you know he he yeah, he jumped in on sam maxima but it was just one of those one of those things where the, he's just too fast um but we you know the other two goals came from our own mistakes and so if we can if we can eradicate those um, and just just take care of the ball better, then I think um, we're obviously going to be in a, in a much better much better position to um, to stop leaking goals or putting so much pressure on the defence. Yeah, I know I keep harping on about it, but the um, not being able to affect the game of substitutions yesterday was. I mean, I'd like to have seen what happened if them players didn't get injured, for example, or if just one of them got injured, for example, and not, yeah, not, not both of them. So at least there was another, yeah, another sub to be made, but. Um, thanks for reminding me of the uh, the Charleston free kick. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, see, you, you, you say like, uh, "Oh, we've never scored a free kick," but, but like, I mean, blimey, you, you don't want you, you don't get free kicks that bad, do you? I mean, it was like what, mm-hmm. like foot height. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how far <laughs> wide it was going. I mean, it's uh, you, you, you're right. Yeah, it didn't even occur to me that. I mean, it, it, obviously, Townsend definitely should have taken that and. Uh, yeah, it shows what a good striker. Well, Pickford probably should have saved it, shouldn't he? Um, uh, mm-hmm. The Trippier's goal, but it just goes to show what a good striker. Get it on target and with a bit of pace and yeah, anything can happen, I suppose, can't it? But yeah, you've got to be testing the keeper when you haven't really got too many. Um, not again, having any opportunities in the game. Did we have any opportunities in the game? I mean, did we have a... I'm not even sure Mason Holgate's shot was, was going in before a guy got blocked and came back and... The own goal we scored. Did we? Did we have any shots of any anything on target at all? Other than that, I can't remember their keeper making making a single save last night. I'm, I'm probably wrong, but I don't remember anything. But nothing sticks in nothing sticks in my head anyway. Holgate's was kicked off the line, it's so that was going. going yeah, he was going yeah. in if no one had been on the line. Yeah, um, Anthony Gordon had a, a, a had a fairly decent effort from just outside the box that was obviously straight at uh, oh yeah at, yeah. Dub- uh, at Dubravka. Um, but apart from, apart from that, Vanford. according to the stats, we had three on target. I'm trying to think what the third one was. Obviously, Richarlison had that early shot that he dragged wide. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, just there's very little attacking output, particularly in the second half. Yeah, I think Van Vliet had one which came back to him edge of the box and he hit right at the keeper. If I'm not, I think it was Van Vliet. Um, uh, yes, I think you're be- right. Could be wrong. Yeah. So yeah, they weren't really opportunities. Most of them really were they? You know what I mean? Just uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, really, really lackluster in attack. Just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get out. Could we? Couldn't respond to Newcastle's. Maybe they lost the heads a bit in the in the heat of the battle. Um, like I say, if they were able to be able to affect it off the bench, then it might have been a bit different. Deli Ali didn't do anything really. Um, 
Is he short on fitness? Probably. Let's see how he gets on in the next couple of weeks. Just think we'll need him. Need him five, and won't we? Um, yeah, yeah. Real, real disappointing performance last night overall. But yeah, just disappointed that we didn't get, didn't, didn't affect because they, they, they concede a lot of goals. They're pretty poor defensively. You know, they haven't, they haven't picked up many points at home. It's just disappointing to sit, not see us really create anything really. You know, or not a lot anyway. You know, throughout the whole game. So. Oh, well, all gone now. What can we do? <laughs> I think uh, Donny van der Beek will, fr- from the from the the appearance he made yesterday, I think if he can take the sting out of the game a bit for us going forward, I think that could be a real plus. You know, as as we've said before, Lampard's, um, you know, quite laid back demeanour. He's a common influence. If Donny van van der Beek can be that person on the pitch, I think that would be really big for us because <laughs> a few occasions that Fabian Delph. Uh, place for Everton. I think he's very good at taking the ball, calming things down, keeping possession, helping the defence out, coming short. And if if Donny Van der Beek can be can be that player, because um, I, I know Alan uh, sits quite deep, but I don't think he he's as good on the ball. But if Donny Van der Beek can just ease things for us, keep possession, keep things ticking over, you know, get on the ball further up the pitch as well. I think he could be. You know, absolutely massive for the remaining games. Um, and as you said, Lyndon, you know, <laughs> looking for the positives. The positives are there. There, there are positives. Um, you know, we, we do have genuine quality in the team. Richarlison is a match winner. Um, Calvert Lewin, if, if hopefully he will feature, you know, for for ten or so games maybe in the season, or or more. Hopefully, you know, he's a goal scorer. You've got Anthony Gordon, who's who's so brave. He always wants the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have some really good players who who will be up for the fight. Um, there are, you know, it's just those weaknesses in the team that are are quite scary. But you know, I think there are positives, and if Lampard can harness that and sort of, you know, <laughs> if we can get two wins on the run somewhere in that in that run, it will be massive. But at the moment, that the performances and you know the last two were, were like chalk and cheese, and I think that's what the real worry is. We were all given a bit of a lift against Brentford, and then it was a, a bit of a bump back down to earth at Newcastle. Um, so I think yeah, it's just about perspective. I think what it is, it, it's very difficult from from one minute to the next. Looking at the table, looking at the situation, just worrying about things that have happened, worrying about things that haven't happened that might not happen. Um, <laughs> It's just a very peculiar time. It's it's all a bit messy, but hopefully, you know, luck can be on our side and, and Lampard can sort of harness that all soon, sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's going to have to be sooner rather than later, isn't it? So looking ahead to, um, to Leeds, you know, I think there's a – we spoke – was it last time I think we spoke about how in the age of social media all of this stuff just feels – a lot more dramatic and a lot more panicky than perhaps it needs to be. Uh, and I think there's a danger that we're putting too much on this game against Leeds and potentially turning it into a, into a mental, you know, a mental vice um, if things start going against us. But um, yeah, again, on the other hand, we need to, we need to start picking up points. Um, I mean, going back to what you were saying, Al, about the, you know, the, the quality that we do have at the top of the pitch, if we can settle that defense down, get them um, just focusing on the basics. Um, you know, we do have, as you say, we have match winners in this team. Um, and so my concern is less around the quality and more obviously around these these mounting injuries to key players. 
Um, so I, I'm worried, but but I'm not panicking. Um, but in terms of um, Saturday, as you say, I think Calvert-Lewin will come in. Um, Richarlison is the, the natural replacement for Damari Gray. Uh, and I think Van der Beek walks into that team, um, whether alongside Gomez or in place of him. Um, and the problem with Leeds is you don't, you never know which Leeds is going to turn up. You know, is it the one that scored three at West Ham or the one that failed to score at home against Newcastle? Um, and they look, they look pretty abject against Newcastle the other week. Um, you know, they just, they're very sort of headless chicken towards the end, uh, which I, which I thought was quite uncharacteristic of them. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be an interesting one. I just, I just hope that the crowd is up for it from the very beginning and keeps that, you know, perspective for the ninety minutes, regardless of what happens. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be going to be a tough game, I think. Um, I think just, I don't know. Leeds just tend to be sort of, as, as far as I've seen them, just they're, they're quite refreshing last season. I thought they were just brought a different style and a bit of a sort of never say die spirit, didn't they? Um, I haven't seen a lot of them this season. I, I didn't. I didn't realise they were that poor against Newcastle. I just knew they'd lost like a John Joe Shelby free kick. Um, I haven't been watching much match of a day <laughs> for obvious reasons this season, so I haven't seen too many um, too many other games really. Um, yeah, maybe the early goal might be important. I suppose if you get the bit like against um, against Brentford, get a get ahead in the game might be key. I think. Um, I don't want Lampard to sort of feel the wrath of that angry Goodison crowd if we go behind early. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, be. That could be tough. So if we get, if we can start in the front four, we got we have got the quality in attack. That's the that's the thing. So if we yeah maybe if you, if you can get ahead in the game and then everyone's a bit more settled down. Hopefully everyone everyone's a bit more confident and uh, yeah the defense can yeah can maybe pick them up a little bit from there. Um, <clears throat> maybe yeah I think we'd probably probably go and win from there. So. Um, I, I worry about what happens if we lose that game again. Social media could spiral out of control. Southampton is Southampton away after that, isn't it? And I don't know why. Yeah. It's, it's not one of them games which I, I, we haven't got a particularly good record down there, have we? It's just one of them, one of them games that never fills me with much confidence. Southampton uh, playing Southampton away. I don't, I, I don't know why. So yeah, if we if we were if we get a poor result against Leeds, then I'd uh, I'd be very anxious going into that one. And then yeah, well. If that was and then a city <laughs> at home. Oh, that's, oh, that's okay. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, we need to be getting something, don't we, from these, from these, you know, minimum three points from these, uh, one win from these two, um, preferably a bit more than that. So, Kaiki City at home after that, and then Ball and Woods. <laughs> we'll be clinging on. We'll be dying to play Ball and Wood by then, won't we? Yeah, we will. <laughs> I mean, as well, if Everton haven't messed with our heads enough, <laughs> can you believe that the last time Everton played Leeds in front of, of fans at Goodison was the Steve Watson hat-trick in 2003? No. That was the last time. God. Because obviously know. Leeds have been down for so long and then COVID meant that there were no fans at the last game. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Jesus. Crazy. <laughs> well, as we oh, speak, God. it's 3-2 to... Aston Villa against Leeds. Uh, Norwich oh, really? beating Palace, of course. Because, you know, when you need a, <laughs> need a favour from Crystal Palace, it doesn't look like we're going to get one. But <laughs> let's see. <laughs> what was that? Villa were beating Leeds 3-2. Is that what you said? Yeah, it looks like it was at half-time. Almost. <laughs> yeah. 
Come on, <laughs> pulling for Stevie <laughs> G. Who 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 would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't, just don't like the sound of that. That Leeds are going to score two. I mean, you you worry if they score two against our defence, they could just just mm-hmm. crumble after that, you know. So yeah, yeah. But this is the thing. They're fast. They're mobile. You know that Rafinha is going to have to. We're going to have to keep tabs on him. Um, like I say, you just never get. You never know which which leads you're going to get. So we'll see. How do you think he's going to? How do you think he will line up against Leeds? I I think he'll revert to four at the back myself. Yeah, just, I, I think it's the three at the back. It does make us a well. You, were, I was about to say it makes us more solid, but maybe not. <laughs> I just think um, in terms of being cautious, I, I just don't think that the, the way the injury list is, I just don't think it will be sensible to play three at the back. So I, I think he would probably go four. And obviously we've got the, the midfielders available that we signed as well. So you can probably stick an extra body in there and you know just be a bit more um, on the front foot maybe again um, against Leeds at Goodison. That, that, that's the way I think he'll go. Yeah, I think he will too. I'm just intrigued to see, who, like, uh, like we were saying a little bit earlier, who who plays the fullbacks and who's going to be available. Um, be interested to see how we line up there. But yeah, after, I'd be surprised if he went with three at the back again uh, for that. I think when he was at Chelsea, he was it was like four four three three or you know four five one stroke four three three, wasn't he? Right, Frank. Mm-hmm. The way I think that's the way he sort of likes to line up, and as far as I recall, so. Yeah, I think once he's now he's got now he's seen now he's seen what uh, Donny Van der Beek can do on the pitch. So he's he's had a bit of game time. I think he'll be yeah straight into that midfield. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely fought the back for me. Well, we'll see what we'll see what he does. We'll see what happens. Uh, on that note, probably time to to wrap it up. Thanks, guys, and Thank you. Uh, you can obviously. Keep track of what's going on on ToffeeWeb. We'll obviously be previewing the game and we'll have our usual match report coverage afterwards. Uh, fingers crossed the Blues can get back on track, get Frank a second home win and start getting some points on the board, moving up the table. Uh, thanks very much for listening and we will catch up with you again soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 